Okay, I've got a question. It's an important question. Are you a turkey? Are you an eagle? Eagle? Okay. You're a turkey or an eagle, right? A lot of people have called me turkey over the years, okay? Some of it has been uplifting. Some of it hasn't been uplifting, okay? So uh, they used to call me turkey because of my neck. I've got a long neck. And they would tease me to death. You know, I had kids and younger people, young people, or even in high school. And I had a nickname was Turkey, okay? So I've gotten off subject a little bit here. But anyway, are you a turkey? Are you an eagle? We're going to look at it. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, verses 15 through 23. And like, if you'd like to stand and read it with me, you can do that. You're welcome to do that. All right. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is like the working of his mighty strength. And which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given. Not only in the present age, but in also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. All right. Thank you. you may be seated. I'm going to look at it. If I'd ask you, are you living just a life in the natural? Are you experiencing the supernatural life? Okay. According to this word that we're going to share today, I believe that every Christian should be living a supernatural life, right? Everybody here would say, well, Jesus lived a supernatural life. But you say, well, he's God. But remember, he was deity. He was God, but he was man. And he walked as a man. So he experienced the God's spirit filling him, giving him the power to overcome these things. Well, this prayer that Paul evidently, as God inspired him to write this word, this prayer is very important. He was praying for the church at Ephesus, but it's also for you and me. And he is praying that we would experience his incomparably great power for us who believe. You and I face situations every day. It could be just situations daily in life, things that are just sort of things that come at us. We know life presents to us uncertainties. And we need power. We need to live a supernatural life to be able to overcome these things. We need supernatural power to overcome things when we're faced with uh, sin and a, a drifting away from God. We need God's power every moment of every day. And so let me just read this to you this morning's little story. A boy was hiking and saw an eagle's egg roll off of a high cliff and onto some bushes. And the bushes broke the fall of the egg, and it was unharmed. Remember, an eagle egg fell off. The boy looked at the cliff and knew there was no way for him to climb back up and place the egg in the eagle's nest. 
So he came across a wild turkey's nest and placed the eagle's egg in the nest. And the eagle hatched along with the turkeys. And he was raised with the turkeys, which do not fly very far or very fast and only get a bit off the ground. One day, two eagles scared, uh, soared over their, over their heads. And the young eagle watched them and asked a turkey, why can they fly so high and we barely get off the ground? And the turkey answered, because they're eagles and we're turkeys. And so the eagle, who was raised as a turkey, lived as a turkey and never soared as high as his wings were designed to carry him. Get the point of the story. We get permeated with those things around us. And those things sort of in our own hearts dictate to us who we are. And we are obviously righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the Father's beloved. We have the same power within us and the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had as he walked around this world. Same Holy Spirit. No difference. But yet sometimes we, we live as turkeys, don't we? Because we don't know who we are in Christ. And so that was happening in this little illustration of what was happening. We don't live and soar on wings like eagles. We don't run and not grow weary. And we don't walk and not faint. Isaiah chapter 40. We know that scripture talks about. So the moral of the story is, is that as Christians, we are living uh, in a world that is made up of turkeys. Figuratively speaking who live by what they can see, feel, and touch. And that's what we do. Christians are designed to live a supernatural life. We, our birthright is a supernatural life. You know, sometimes you think, well, I'm just treading water. And I'm not really swimming any longer. I'm barely, okay? And some people would say, I'm just surviving and I'm not thriving. You can look at it like that too. But we have been made, we have been created to walk as Jesus walked. We're not, we're not, we're not, obviously we have sin. We know that. But there's forgiveness because of what Jesus has done for us. And we know, obviously, that's where we're moving towards. Not there yet. But that is where we're going to live and be followers. All of us here would say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Certainly, if you're a Christian and so forth. But the question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you follow him? Do you desire for him to be Lord of your life? Do you desire for him to truly be completely and consume you with a passion? Because that's what he has called us to do and to be. And it is a, your birthright as a child of God to live a life that is supernatural at its very basic. But too often we settle for the natural life. And I believe we miss out on the possibilities of the supernatural life certainly here. So the next couple of weeks, today and next week, I want to talk about that. I want you to be encouraged. When I look at the book of Acts, and any of you really want to get into where how God works, read the book of Acts, study the book of Acts, meditate upon the book of Acts. I believe the book of Acts was given to us, certainly, as a model for the church and the way we should be operating. I mean, you saw the power of God operating in uh, those chapters, like, I mean, really powerfully. And so take a look at that. We should be living as that book of Acts is. It's actually an example, a model for us as a church. Praying for the sick, seeing the healing, praying for deliverance for those who are oppressed by the enemy. 
We're praying that we would walk and, and become more like Jesus and so forth. And we pray that obviously the priority in our lives is God himself, that he is first in our lives, not somewhere down here on our list or maybe not even on our list. He needs to be and has to be first in our lives. But to be able to do that, we need to obviously understand who we are. We're not a turkey. We're eagles. Amen. We're eagles. And we should soar on wings like eagles. We'll walk and not grow weary. We'll, we'll run and not faint, certainly here. So why do we live so far below our potential here? Why do you think, anybody? Because we're comfortable. Last week we talked about risk. Faith is R-I-S-K. We don't step out of our comfort zone. We don't get, we don't want to be. We sing this, Lord, I just want to be where you are. Daily, dwelling daily in your presence. Yes, but do you know in the presence of God, things are going to change. That's who he is. Supernatural. Our hearts changed, our, our desires change, our affections change, our love changes. And we begin to see things differently because normally what we do is we see things through these two eyes, through a natural way. You know, Jesus looked at people differently, maybe obviously you could say than we do, does it, didn't he? He saw people in need of, us, of forgiveness, need of healing. Need of deliverance. He saw people from that. He walked around like that. You and I need to look and see people the way Jesus sees them. We need to obviously go in that particular manner. Until you do, you'll continue to live below your potential here. But obviously, I believe most of us have daily patterns of behavior and routines of conduct and nothing wrong in the sense that, that certainly here bad necessarily but we miss out on the freshness of life because why? We've been caught in a rut. We all know what a rut is. <laughs> and sometimes it's easier to stay in that rut than it is to come out of that rut. Okay. We get in a rut. Everybody here knows that. And, and even if you don't apply it spiritually, everybody knows what a rut is. Sort of get into a pattern of, of doing things and so forth. And yet, obviously, we know God has called us out of that rut. And he's called us to be those eagles. He's called us to a supernatural life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That abundant life is something the desire of our heart. But it's something you and I have the desire to begin with uh, more than anything in this whole world. To know Jesus and to know him and the power of his resurrection. And sometimes it is easier to remain in a rut in the road than to climb out of it here. So as a church, we can come in and just go through the motions of worship each week here and we can fall into a rut if we follow the pattern that we've gone through and we don't connect with God, right? Everybody understand that. We don't connect with God. We don't connect with it. We, we come and we listen to the sermon. Jim gave another sermon, blah, blah, and we worship and so forth. And, and somehow your hearts and your minds are far away. Whatever happened, it was raining when I came here, and of course we navigated and got here, I'm sure it was for you. Or whatever you have planned for today, or planned for the week, or whatever particular concern that you may have, and our minds are far off, and we don't connect with God, because the Word of God is living and active, it is very powerful, and we don't connect with God in that way. We don't connect with a supernatural God who wants us also to walk in that same manner. So, corporate celebrations of God's supernatural work in our daily lives is important here. 
So how supernatural has your daily life been lately here? Think about it. We give great testimonies here, certainly, don't we? But sometimes those testimonies, they diminish. Nothing I'm not condemning because every testimony is important. But how many have we experienced the supernatural miracle working power of God in our lives? Can we say we've experienced that lately? Remember, when we come to God, we have to come recognizing that, Lord, I, I, I need you. Okay. There's a song out I talk about a lot, Elevation Worship, and I need you. And he's the same God, it says at the end of the song, that answered prayer back then. He's the same God that will answer prayer now. Same God that delivered back then will be the same God that delivers today. The same God that he was back then, he's the same God today. He wants you and I to experience him. The church has basically said, hey, we'll stay away from experience because we don't know, obviously, is this real? Is this from God or is this from my flesh or the enemy has put deceived me and so forth? We worry about that. Certainly, we need to be discerning, but we need to encounter the Lord. We need to experience the Lord and we need to not necessarily has to happen like every moment of every day. But it needs to happen in your life, in my life. Experiencing the supernatural, miracle-working power of God Almighty. Okay? Everybody want that? Because there is the more of God than we've ever, ever imagined. There's more of God. The Bible says, taste and see that He is good. And the Psalms talk about it. Tasting is something experiential, which I've always talked about. And I've given the reference to ice cream. You taste ice cream, man, it's good. When you taste God, you're going, he is good. And I know he's good. And nothing will ever obviously draw me and pull me away from that very foundation that God is good all the time. Okay, no matter what's going on. So certainly we need to, uh, we need to experience the supernatural power of God. How do we do it? I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about necessarily just the frills. But that may come. Emotionalism is not something that is taboo in God's sight. When you're in God's presence, there's emotions that are involved because you're in love with him. You desire for him. You long for him in your life here. In this scripture, it says the incomparably great power for us who believe. You've got to believe it. And the question is, do you believe it? Do you want it? Much of what happens in the kingdom of God a lot now, we'll talk about it, it comes by asking, do you believe it today? God is sovereign and God is in control and God is over all. Yes, he is. And that means he rules and reigns when he's sovereign. And it means that he is over things. But he waits for his people to ask him. Think about that. Because there are people here that may have come to mind when I said that, that you're praying for, that maybe they're in a rut. Or maybe one way or another they have drifted away. Or maybe they just need uh, help, okay? And they're looking in all the wrong places for that help. And you're praying and you're not seeing anything necessarily immediately appear and change. And God is saying, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Because it's a way of releasing God's power in a situation that you and I are concerned about. Or whatever God has put on your heart. Remember how important prayer was to Jesus? He got away in the morning with his father. He got away from everybody and he sought the Lord and he, I believe, received instructions. And remember, he walked, I believe, in God's presence every day in his manifest presence. 
Because as he walked around, remember he healed people, delivered people, cast out demons and so forth. The power of God was very evident, but he didn't heal everybody. Remember the people? Remember the, the man at the, Paul, the uh, pool of Siloam? He was one man. He'd been, that man had been by that pool for years and years. And Jesus pointed him out and said, go ahead. You know, I'm going to heal you. Step into the pool. He had to activate his faith and believe that here this Messiah was able to do this. And so he did and got healed, right? But there are other people around that pool that needed healing also. But that man was obviously, he risked enough because don't you know that he thought, well, I've stepped in, I've tried to get to that pool many times and, and so forth. And here this man called Jesus and they say he's the Messiah and so forth is coming here and telling me to do this. He had to risk, he had to step out. He had to get out of his rut. He had to get out of his comfort zone and step out of the boat and say, Lord, I need you. And I need to operate in your supernatural power. And that's who our God is. So how can we experience a supernatural power? And this is one I want to talk about. Everybody here, I believe, if I said God has a plan for each of our lives, everybody say, amen, amen, right? Everybody here believes that, right? He's got a plan. Uh, we do believe it here. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Now, this means humanity is connected to God by having a personal, spiritual, and intellectual sense of being just like God. Obviously, we're not God, but we were created in his image. And the Bible says that human beings were made to be a little lower than God. Now, Psalm uh, 8 says this, verses 4 through 6, and it says, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Man was created to reflect the very glory of God. We were made and created to reflect God. We are his representatives here. Jesus is the light of the world. His light is shining through our lives. We have his spirit living within us. We come and we walk and we shine the light of Jesus into the darknesses all around. Those who are absent of God, it says, are walking in darkness. And so you and I have the answer. And you and I should be living that supernatural life, not as a turkey, but an eagle. We'd be paying attention. Jesus was walking around again. And he, he looked. He was listening to the Father. And he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I only live to please the Father. That should be our attitude also. And so God placed us here so that we could represent him. When all of creation had looked at man, they were supposed to see a reflection of God. And that's exactly what they did. Until Adam sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And then it all broke. And that's when it was taken away. And so God had warned them, don't sin. But remember, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And that broke, obviously, everything. But God in his infinite mercy and grace and wonder of his love for us had a plan in place to send Jesus into the world, to die for the sins of all of mankind. And so God put it in place. But we, obviously, we have been placed here to rule and reign. And do you know, one day, obviously, we will rule. The Bible says that we will rule and reign with Jesus. 
We'll be responsible. I believe the Bible actually talks about that we'll be responsible for cities and all. And when eternity certainly comes into play as we know it to be, is that we're to rule and reign with him. God has called us today to do that, to take authority over these things. I was listening to a pastor talk from a very reputable uh, talk show yesterday that I believe are very correct and they were talking about the fact he was talking about what he's seeing on the increase is a move of demonic activity he is seeing people that obviously are in their bed many times and and they feel like they can't get up they feel a pressure on them and a weight on them and they can't get up and they can't say anything in fact he says that many of them have struggled just to get the name Jesus out but once they got Jesus, the name Jesus out it broke and left but he's seeing uh, an increase in demonic power. Now, it's always been, you've always been here. But we know that we've opened the door, even in this country, to the enemy in many different ways when we talk about different things that I won't go into that are anti-biblical. But he's saying today, you've got to know the power of God. You've got to know God is a supernatural God. You've got to know that you have authority over these things. You've got to know those things. You've got to believe it because it begins by believing. If you don't believe it, then you won't walk in it. And it won't operate in your life. And God, the words many ways is that God chose to limit his authority and activity on earth to the availability and willingness of men and women to call on him. You believe it today. He waits for people to call upon him. And obviously, this is one thing I can't understand because he wants you and I to partner with him. It's not my power. It's the power of God's spirit. It's not my power. Obviously, God has delegated that to me. But Jesus said, all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. And he delegates that at very, at, in different ways in various times. Because he's placed you and I here. He said, it's expedient that I go to the Father. Remember after he was crucified and people began to see him and uh, the risen Lord. He said, hey, I've got to hurry up. I've got a lot of things to teach you here, but it's expedient. But he said, I've got to go back to the Father. And he said, once I go back to the Father, the Father can send the Holy Spirit who will be in you and who will be with you. Jesus was one person. He was God, but he was only one person. The Spirit of God resides in all believers. Okay? So he knew the power that the church would have to be able to do his beckoning and sharing the gospel with those who are walking in darkness, who are walking in death, who never received and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and gotten saved. You and I had that all just wonderful responsibility but certainly it is a very heavy burden for you and I to do that. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses into Judea and Samaria and to Jerusalem and to all the uttermost ends of the world today. He gives you and I the power, the supernatural power to share the word of God with people and to believe for results today. Because why? Because of who he is. It's not our power. It's him. But he is delegated. We are his representatives today. But you've got to believe it. You've got to know that God many times waits upon us to act and call upon him. And how many people obviously uh, around us need to be saved. I mean, our communities are full of people. They're not in church. The kiddos are not in church. I had a lady visiting with her yesterday afternoon and, and she said, well, Jim, with all this in mind, how do we pray? Because we were talking about young people not in the church. See, they're not getting I was raised in the church. I knew better and I drifted away from the Lord and I did my own thing. 
I had to taste to see if the world was any better. I found out the world was sour, okay? But I raised, I knew the truth because I was raised in the tr truth. Because, and a lot of kids don't know that today. A lot of people are not in the church hearing the word of God, not having that community and fellowship together, that corporateness that comes, that God says, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together, as some have, but obviously encourage one another in the Lord as you see the day approaching. He's saying today is important. And the kiddos, right, they have no idea who Jesus Christ is. They have no idea. They celebrate Christmas and they celebrate it because they get gifts and that's a good time and the lights and the glitter and all the candies and all the goodies. But they don't know Jesus Christ. He's calling you and me as his representatives. But we've got to believe in the power that he gives as we step out in faith. But you've got to risk. You've got to get out of the rut. Because we all are, have a tendency to get in that rut here. But I do believe God depends upon our prayers to act. So why did Jesus tell us to pray for our daily bread if God already knew that we needed it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Why do you ask? Why is that prayer? That is a main model prayer as we look at the different segments of what we do in prayer. And you can use that prayer today, obviously, because he waits for us to act. Now, he takes care of his children, praise God. But he waits in that circle because there's a connection that's made. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to see, oh, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Amen? He wants us to give. And what happens when we see that gift comes down from above? We thank him and we praise him because we have been created to worship the Lord. We've been created to give thanks throughout eternity to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But unless we see that connection, unless we're walking in that walk and understanding how important it is for us to seek the Lord, for us to ask him to go before his throne. I've talked about it here and we still haven't moved on the, the, the time we can pray for this church. OK, and we need it near our coffee pots or wherever we go to on a regular basis. When you see it, you go, I'm going to pray for Lighthouse Fellowship. Not that obviously we're egotistical in any way. Don't get me wrong. We know that. But we pray for this church that, that I would be given wisdom and you would be given wisdom and the leaders of this church and the whole congregation that are leaders anyway would be given as far as doing the will of God for this church right here, Lighthouse Fellowship, on this piece of property on 3rd Street, League City, Texas. Amen. That's what God is calling us to do, okay? So we're gonna, we'll get that together. I was, as I was thinking about this, Kathy and I will talk and, and all and get something. That we're reminders. We like that. Because reminders are good, okay? Nothing wrong with that. So we pray for our daily bread. And why would Jesus tell us to pray for laborers to be sent out into the harvest of souls if he was just automatically going to save everybody or give everybody an opportunity? Because he wants us to partner with him. He wants us. How can we partner with him? So the lady yesterday, going back to that story, I was talking to her. She said, how, what you're saying here, I agree with, but how do we obviously participate what God wants? I said, you're here in this particular apartment, in this facility, and you don't get out much, certainly here, just simply because of health reasons. You can pray. And you can pray for our young people. I said, yes, if God brings somebody to mind, their names, you do it. But pray in general, Lord, please touch our young people. Touch them with the reality of Jesus Christ, that he is the savior of the world. 
And they need to have a relationship with them. Pray for our young people today. They are the future of the church. I was encouraged recently. All of you know Samson, my friend from India. He shared here and we actually contribute to the ministry. He was in India here recently. Okay, when all of Europe went into India and he was in a field there because Cindy got him on Facebook. It came up and they had speakers and there was like a crusade. And they were preaching the gospel to many, like 18,000, they believe, were in this field. Now, they had walked for many miles to come. Okay, I come come for a distance, but I'm in a car with obviously air conditioning and heat. Okay, they walked for miles to come to that crusade to be a part. 18,000 people, all ages. And Samson said that many were asking for prayer because actually the Indian government has said you can't offer an invitation to accept Christ because they are predominantly Hindu. And I said, well, the people who came to that crusade, what was the predominant religion that they you felt like they were a part of? And he said Hindu. Okay, they're part of religion, but there's Hindu religion. They were preaching to 18,000. Okay, and then he told me about his daughter who goes to Texas State, San Marcos. And she she said, you know, she's a couple of years, has got a couple of years under her belt, so to speak, and all. And she, praying for, he's got two kids. And he said his daughter over Christmas actually went, or over New Year's, went with a group of young people to Dallas to a particular conference church up there. It was young people. And it was like 2,000 young people went to this church. And there was praise and worship. There was a teaching there and so forth. And his daughter, Destiny, was a part of that and giving leadership to that group of young people. And that gives me hope today. God is on the move. God is doing something. And he wants you and me to be a part of it. He goes, obviously, we talked about last night, last week. We're not just here biding time. We're actually doing what God's called us to do. And, and just like the lady yesterday, what can you do? You can pray. You can pray. We pray. Obviously, God would bring a ministry here. And over here next door, Save Savage is, is bringing people in and teaching and, and reaching people with the gospel. That's a vital ministry. So whatever God calls you to pray for, remember, God waits upon us, I believe, many times to pray. But your prayers and continual prayers like that are very effective according to the word of God. Don't ever. You're praying for somebody. You hadn't seen anything happen yet. Don't give up. Keep praying. God is saying that he wants to answer. And in his timing, he will answer. So why am I to ask him to do something that he already wants to do? It's because my request is what he's waiting on, maybe. Elijah, look at the example. First Kings chapter 18. Remember, God told Elijah to pray. And God called Elijah to pray for a drought. And then God, three years later, God told Elijah to pray for rain. Everybody knows the story, right? Remember, what did Elijah pray seven times? Here, a prophet of God who knew God intimately, who was a prophet who spoke, God spoke through to the people. He actually prayed seven times. He prayed. How many of you prayed more than seven times for a particular family member that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe you that person's burden on your heart and you haven't obviously seen the result. Don't give up. He called. Elijah prayed. Listen to this in verse one of chapter 18. Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the face of the earth. But that isn't the end of it. In the end of the chapter, Elijah has to pray for rain seven times, and then God sends it. 
So what was the purpose of having Elijah to pray for rain since God had already declared that it was his intent to bring it about? And who prompted Elijah to pray, actually? In fact, Elijah has to pray for one reason, and that is to complete what God initiated. God started it. God wants to finish it, right? God says, pray. Don't give up. We prayed last week for Sid. You see that. Continue to pray. We saw that. Sid went in. They said, okay, two of these are no no problem. One we're going to work with. Okay. The same way with Cindy, with Janet's daughter. Also pray for Janet, by the way. She's going to go in and have some stuff with the skin stuff. Pray for healing there with that also. Okay. All of us pace these things. Believe God. Trust him. Supernatural God says this. And God wants to work in powerful ways. You see, God declared wonderful promises and intentions for you and me and our world and our church and our families. But just because God has declared them to be so, sometimes I don't believe they, get, they, they come to the full fruition without us praying. Got to pray. Pray that God would work in this church. Pray that God would touch young people here in this vicinity, all in this area. There are tons of young people all around us. We have people all around us we need to pray for here. We have made the, I believe, mistaken assumption that because God is in control, that God is sovereign, that he, we just sit back and let God do it, whatever. We just sit back. God wants us. God has chosen us to work with him. To partner with him. It's his power. But God has called us to be a part of his plan. Because it is God's design that we be a part of the equation. If we fail to pray. And God's will, I don't believe, gets done. We fail to pray. The world far, falls apart. We fail to pray. We miss out on God's blessings. And we see things happening today. And we're going, well, I don't see anything getting better. Okay. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to be straightened out when we pray. But what it means that God is, is releasing in their lives people. Who knows what God will do when you begin to pray for some of these people that appear to be so ungodly. People that don't seem they're so far away from God. And it looks like that, that maybe it's like, man, throw the towel in on this person. And you begin to pray for them. And you begin, you have a burden to pray for the individual, whatever it may be. Salvation certainly is most important. But we fall to fail to pray, I believe that we pass on God's promises here. Remember Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 through 31 says this. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I couldn't find anybody. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. He said, I look for one man. Wow, we got a bunch in here today, right? I looked for one. I couldn't find anybody to intercede. I couldn't follow. I couldn't find anybody to stand in the gap for people today. I couldn't stand. I couldn't follow anybody to pray for this country. I couldn't find anybody to pray for this church. I couldn't find anybody to pray for the families around us that are suffering and hurting and they're looking for hope today. And Jesus is the answer. But yet you and I, we have the reason for our hope. His name is Jesus. And we can share that with others. But we've got to realize who we are. We're not turkeys. We're eagles. Right? Everybody get that? I know a lot of you will leave here and say, I don't remember anything that Jim said except the fact that he just said I wasn't a turkey. I was an eagle. Right? We'll remember that. Okay? That's it. Remember, you're eagle. Okay? You're operating in God's supernatural power. We need the power of God. If Jesus said, 
He said, here, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. That's what he says. He says, share the gospel. Yes, he heals. He delivers. Praise God. But let me tell you, he does so much more. And our failure, willingness to pray affects, I believe, the eternal destinies of people. Now, I don't understand that. But I believe it can affect them. And remember, when we pray for healing, we don't heal anybody. God heals them. God heals people. And we don't defeat the enemy on our own strength. God defeats the enemy in the strength that he gives, the power that he gives here. Obviously, we need to call on him and believe him. And yet a lot of times we believe that we're responsible. And when we don't see healing, we get discouraged and we stop. Don't stop. We can't heal anybody. But what we do is come before the Lord. Okay? Let me read a story for you and we will close with this. A pastor named Dutch Sheets tells of when he was in Guatemala, 1976, building shelters for villagers devastated by an earthquake. And in the evening, they would preach in the center of the village about the love of Jesus Christ. And they had been ministering day after day, but few were responding. On the final night of the trip, a team member told Reverend Sheets about a young girl that they had found tied to a tree at the edge of the village. And they asked the villagers about her. They found out that she was insane, hurting herself and running into the jungle. His heart was broken for her. And as he began to preach that night, he heard a voice inside his head saying, tell them that you're going to pray for the little insane girl across the village tied to the tree. Tell them that you're going to do it in the name of this Jesus that you've been preaching about. Tell them that through him, you're going to break the evil powers controlling her and that when she's free and normal, they can know what you're preaching is true. They can then believe in the Jesus that you're preaching about. And Reverend Sheets says that his immediate response was, ah, is there a plan B? God had given him a word before the trip that simply said, represent Jesus. And this came to mind as quickly as his his fear had risen up. It was placed by faith as God reminded him of what it meant. The emphasis isn't on me, but on the one who sent me. I'm simply his spokesman. I'm merely releasing that what God has already done. He has done the work of delivering the little girl. My prayers release that work. I'm only a distributor of what he has already produced. He tells in his book, Intercessory Prayer, that his life was changed that night forever. The resurrection life, the supernatural life of Jesus became available and Jesus emerged from the cobwebs of theology. The little girl was set free and the village turned to Christ. There are many wounded, hurting people in our community and tied to trees. Some of them wait on you at a restaurant. Others might work with you. Still others may be sitting next to you. Their chains are alcohol, drugs, abuse, broken dreams, money, or lust. Plan B for all of us is to waste the cross, to leave the tormented in their anguish, to tell them there's no hope. It's to play it safe, to sit in silence and say, uh, why does God let this happen? God has a great plan in his original intent to use you to bring his supernatural life into everyday situations as representatives of the gospel of Jesus, of his work. Jesus has completed on the cross. We need to pray. And we need to continue to pray.
I say this because I believe there's someone here that needs renewal. If that's you, open your heart. If in this past year, at the end of the year, remember last week, I did an assessment. I said, do an assessment of your life. If you feel like you're drifted, you're not where God wants you to be. Today, you can come back. <clears throat> God, he said, come to me, you're burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. The invitation's always open. He never turns away. He doesn't. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He never turns away. He's always there with wide open arms. If that's you today, open your heart and say, Lord, I want to return. I want to come back. I want to live that life that's supernatural. It goes beyond what I naturally see. I want to see things the way you see things. I want to see my concerns the way you see concerns. God doesn't have any concerns. He's not in heaven wringing his hands wondering, what am I going to do with Jim? I have no idea. He's completely out of control. He's just about, I mean, he's, he's it. I mean, he doesn't do that, does he? He knows exactly, and he has a plan for you and me. And it's a plan to make a difference in this world today. And you can make it where you are. And as God tells you, all of us go to the grocery store in most cases. If you don't, you can pray there wherever you are. If you're, you know, inside, you're stuck there, whatever it may be. You can pray at a table with people. You can pray as God leaves you in your chair, drinking coffee. That's where I pray in the morning. Whatever it may be, God is saying, don't give up. Don't give up. You want to be an eel or you want to be a turkey? I don't want to be a turkey anymore. I'm too old for that, right? That didn't work with me when I was a teenager. <laughs> and it's not going to work with me right now. There are many people tied to trees. You say, but they're not, they're not all insane. When the reality is they're walking in darkness without Jesus Christ. You can be that, obviously, allow the light of Jesus through you to make a difference in their lives. You remember telling the story. God will prompt you to do this if you'll wait on him and listen to him. I heard somebody, I will go before the Lord many times and say, Lord, and start praying. But Lord, I believe, brought to my attention here not too long ago. He said, would you just ask me what I want you to pray for? Anybody ever thought about that? Would you just ask me? So I began, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? And just sit quietly and listen and watch what he says and then pray what he brings to your mind. This has been several years ago. I was doing hospice and I was on the northwest side of town. I'm telling this story. <clears throat> and uh, I was at a stoplight and beside me was a motorcycle. Y'all have heard this story. And the motorcycle guy was was leaning over on one of those types of motorcycles. And I laughed at him because wherein he pulled, his pants were down and the top of his underpants were showing, underwear was showing. I laughed, he, he don't care about it. I thought, he doesn't care about his underwear showing. Okay, He's having a good time. He's foot loose and fancy free on that motorcycle. So when the light turned, we both took off. He wasn't showboating at all. He took off normally and all. And by the time I got up to the next intersection, He's on the side of the road laying down on his stomach. He had broadside a car, had turned in front of him, and he was on the side of the road. Now, I've never done this before. Some people do this a uh, lot. But I was so burdened by the Lord to stop, pull over into a parking lot and go over there beside the young man who still had his helmet on and kneel down beside him and talk to him about Jesus. 
And I knew he was getting ready to go in shock, but I knew he was hearing what I was saying. And I was praying for him. And I said, you need to ask Jesus, believe upon Jesus. Believe upon him, call on Jesus right now. And he was there and I knew he heard me. And I knew something was happening at that time. I don't know what, because all I knew was I was sharing the truth. Because I didn't know what was happening with the internal injuries that this young man could have. Policeman came over there uh, and got ready to tell me to get back and all that. And he saw what I was doing. He said, no, you go ahead. And he backed off. And I kept praying for him and talking to the boy about Jesus. Never had a burden like that before. It was so heavy that I knew I had to be obedient. And so lifelike came and took him. And I had a burden all that night that I prayed. And I just had never had a, a prayer board burden like this before in all my life. And I kept praying, got up the next morning, had some things to do. And finally, I told Cindy, we came back home when, from the, my particular uh, things I had to do. And I told her, I said, or I was with her. And I said, we need to go to Memorial Hermann where life light lands. And I've got to go in that waiting room and find out if that boy's still alive. And I knew it would be hard because they won't tell. It's confidential stuff. They won't tell me. But I went to the people in that waiting room and asked them if they knew of a son. They have a son or a friend that got in a wreck yesterday, the day before on a motorcycle and nobody had. And so I, I kept praying. We left. And I said, well, no success. I left and still had the burden. I was on my face before God on the floor, prostrate out, praying. And all of a sudden, the burden was gone immediately. Never supernatural. Just, just gone. I didn't have the burden. And I went, what happened? I said, either something happened. Either God took him out and went. he went in eternity. Or God just says, you've done what I called you to do. Whatever it may be. Okay. And so about a couple years later, our friends from Quito, Ecuador came up here. And we were riding in that area. And one of the ladies from Ecuador, South America, saw the street sign and said, hey, that's where our nephew was in an accident several years ago. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. She said, our nephew, our, my aunt in Pennsylvania's son came to Houston to find a job. And he was on his motorcycle. And he had an accident right not too far on this road somewhere, which was the same road, and he died. Okay. And he said, we were praying in Quito, Ecuador, South America, for God to touch him because we're not sure, don't believe that he was saved. You don't know what God will do with your prayers. And that was right at that boy's last few breaths. I may not have made it to life light. But you don't know what God will do as you are obedient to the call of prayer. It may be someone's eternal destiny is affected. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you. We don't want to be in a rut and we want to stay in the same pattern. We want to be called. We want to be eagles. 
We want to experience you, Lord, like we never have before. We want to mount up on wings like eagles. We want to run and not get weary. We want to walk and not faint. And Lord, today I pray today, get us out of the rut. Help us to realize we're, we're to live supernatural lives. That's our birthright. And every person here, how I can explain it, Lord, you can explain it, obviously, a whole lot better than I can, Lord. And how that's worked out in detail in every person's life in this place today. Those who will be listening to this YouTube. We pray today, Father, that we would step out and risk and believe you. And pray like we never have prayed before. Because we know, Lord, today, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And we know, Lord, today Jesus prayed. So why do we think we don't have to pray? And Lord, we know today that we know prayer changes things. We know, Lord, today that it makes all the difference in the world that we actually change when we pray, which is most important. And we ask you today, this new year, we pray all of us will get out on the right foot and we would pray. And we pray together, Father, you would use us, use this church, use Save Savage, use us, our families, Lord, for your glory and your honor. We have one reason for living, Father, and that is to please you. We have one reason for living, Lord, and that is to do only what we see the Father doing. And so, Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts because there are people all around us that are going out into eternity without Jesus Christ. And we pray today that they would all, they would all, Lord, people get saved all over this place and we would see a mighty revival take place. We don't know what that will look like. We don't know how that will come about. But we know, Lord, today, if my people who are called by my name will pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and humble themselves. Then you'll hear from heaven and you will forgive their sin. And you will heal their land. Father, we'll pray. Something's going to happen. And so I encourage each person here to pray. Prompt us, Lord, today. Put that burden on our hearts. And help us to pray as we've never prayed before. May you forever and ever be praised. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me just wait just a second. Thank you for your attention. The church has shifted to, and I've always talked about this since I've been with you, Used to be the church was the pastor did everything. Okay. And God's called all of us to minister. So what that means is your prayers are just as powerful as my prayers. Okay. You have the same Holy Spirit that I have. So I know we call the pastor and pray. I, I, I certainly respect that and we go that. But just remember when you pray, it is your birthright. And your position with Jesus Christ to pray and see things happen. Supernatural things. Just like that time with that boy on the side of the road. Um, what happened? You can't save anybody and I can't save anybody. But what we can do is we can scatter seeds. And those seeds are going forth. If you share your life with people. If you love people. If you bless people, if you encourage people, it may happen in H-E-B. Somebody puts a bird, God puts a burden on your heart for somebody walking down that aisle and you walk past them and you're breathing a prayer, a breath prayer. I call them their breath prayers and you're praying, Lord, touch them today. But see what happens is we're in a rut. 
We're too busy. And the things of God sort of come. They don't always take first place, do they? God's readjusting our priorities that we would be able to fulfill our calling and our destiny. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your attention.